We are in Hebrews chapter 12 this morning, verses 1 through 3, talking about the witness of warriors. We have just seen a warrior, warriors, and it's, a, it's an emotional for me watching that, but it's all not roses and uh, good times. It takes sacrifice. It's taken work. It's taken struggle to keep our country strong. And we thank those who have gone through that struggle. At five o'clock in the morning on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918 in a railway station outside and if you know French, forgive me, I'll probably butcher it, Compagnie, France, the armistice was signed that ended World War I. This day was first known as Armistice Day. I remember that term from years ago, but later it was changed to Veterans Day. It is a day that has been set aside to honor all veterans, both living and dead, who have served in the military of the United States. These men and women are heroes. They should be your heroes. They all sacrifice their time, their own wants, and some even their health to serve the United States of America. By serving the United States of America, they served you and I. All gave some, and some gave all. It is right for us to take this time to recognize and honor our veterans. It has been said, and it is true today, it is the veteran, not the reporter, who has given us freedom of press. It is the veteran, not the poet, who has given us freedom of speech. It is the veteran, not the campus organizer, who has given us freedom to assemble. It is the veteran, not the politician, who has given us the right to vote. It is the veteran, not the preacher, who has given us freedom of religion. And so we are indebted to them. Now let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race set out before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Join me in prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, we certainly do thank you for Jesus Christ. He gave all so that we could have all. He gave his life so that we might have eternal life. He gave his life so that we might have abundant life. And we thank you that because he was the God-man, death could not hold him, that he rose again and now he does sit at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding on our behalf those who call upon his name. Father, we thank you for all those who have served this great country in many capacities. 
in order to keep her safe, keep her strong, keep her free. And we honor them today, Lord, and we ask your blessings upon them and their families. It is in Jesus' name we're gathered here and we pray. Amen. There at the beginning of chapter 12, it says, therefore. And whenever you see a therefore, you've got to wonder what it's wherefore. And it's referring back to chapter 11, often called the roll call of faith. And chapter 11 begins with, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then the chapter thens to proceed about those who lived a life of faith before God. And, you know, we look back at the cross that occurred some 2,000 plus years ago, and we can look back and recall what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. They were looking ahead. They were looking forward to something that had not yet come. They were believing God's promises that a Messiah would come, that would deliver them. And so, without having their reward in the present, they lived a righteous life looking forward to that which was going to come. And it did come when Jesus Christ came. And so chapter 11 is that roll call of faith. And chapter 12 says, since we are surrounded by such a crowd of witnesses. And as we read that, it's, it's normal to think about that it's almost like a stadium where they're sitting around looking down on earth watching us go about our business. But that's not really the picture that that passage gives. The true sense of witnesses there in that passage is like those in a court of law. Those who would go before to give witness to something that has happened. To give witness to that which is true and right. And so all of these are not witness spectators. We have nothing in the New Testament that tells us that they are allowed to see us here on earth, though we're not told they can't. So it may be true. We don't know. God doesn't reveal that to us. But in this passage, their sense of witness is that of one who has told what they experienced, told why they lived their life the way they did, and proclaim the truth of following a just and valid God. So they're not spectators, rather they are witnesses to the faith. And so it is with veterans fallen and living. We remember their sacrifice and dedication as an encouragement to us, saying to us this country is worth fighting for that the principles of this country are well-founded and worth the effort on our part to preserve them. Their witness to us is one that says, this great country is worth everything you can give to preserve it, even if it requires your life. The next words in chapter 12 of Hebrew could be these warriors' words to us regarding our country. To, and paraphrasing, to paraphrase these verses so that they apply to the premise of today, 
they could say, discard your excuses, your equivocation, your laziness that prevents you from acting. Keep up the fight with perseverance following the principles and values that this country was founded upon. Fix your purpose on the ideals of the Constitution. Stand up for the downtrodden. Receive the abandoned. Do what you can to ensure justice for all. That's what their witness says to us from their effort, from their sacrifice. Certainly not every veteran fought from a position of faith. And no doubt there were varying degrees of faith in God. But their fight to keep our country free was a fight for the principles of our faith because our country was established on principles established long ago by our Creator God. Our Bible teaches us that God is no respecter of persons. That is, each man is equal before God. God's law and judgment is binding upon the very wealthy, the very poor, and every station in between. The king is weighed with the same balances as the pauper. Additionally, God's provision of salvation is available to the poorest of individuals. One's salvation cannot be purchased, and in fact, too often, one's wealth stands in the way of having a faith in Jesus Christ. God's Word teaches us the value of justice. In Psalms 82.3, it tells us to defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. One of Jesus' greatest annoyances with the leaders of the Jewish faith when he came to earth was that they had created so many rules that were oppressive to the people. They made it very difficult to live. You were not allowed to walk more than a mile from your home. If you were a tailor, and we, we know the tailors often will stick a needle in their lapel to keep them handy, if you forgot to take that out when you went to worship on Sabbath, you were guilty of work. You were not allowed to look in a mirror because that would be vanity, and so you weren't allowed to even look to straighten your hair or to make sure you'd caught everywhere shaving or any of these kind of things. They were oppressive, and Jesus was angry with them for turning their faith into a, an oppression on the people because Jesus wanted justice for those who were struggling. Jesus and God in the Bible is the defender of women who, have, who are downcast and trodden. We remember when the woman in adultery was called to him, brought to him unfairly, and cast before him alone, not with the other person. And the people wanted Jesus to judge her and to say to stone her as the law said, but Jesus showed mercy. Jesus knew what was going on. He knew that she was being brought unfairly, unjustly before him. So he turned the tables on them, said, if you're without sin, then you have a right to judge. You cast the first stone. And it said, one by one, they left. 
when they had all gone, Jesus turned to him and said, where are your accusers? She said, they've gone, Lord. He says, I don't condemn you, but go and do no more. Jesus stood up for those who were downtrodden, who those who faced injustice. He cleared the temple in a, in, in a rage because they were taking advantage of those coming to worship. They were charging exorbitant fees because they needed to buy pigeons and cattle and, and other uh, animals to do a sacrifice. They traveled far. They couldn't bring them with them. So they were selling them there in the temple. And they, what was perhaps a, a, on the surface a good uh, thing to do, a helpful service for them, they turned it into a money-grubbing advantage of the people. And that's why Jesus turned up the tables and drove them out. And he condemned them for making God's house a marketplace. Jesus stood up for those facing injustice. And so we should. He calls us to that. Jesus came that we might have liberty he talked to the Jews and he, he said, you are slaves. And they said, we're not slaves, we're children of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. But he says, you are slaves to your sin nature. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Jesus Christ came that we might have liberty, that we might be freed from the chains of sin and death, that we might have that hope of eternal life, that we might have that abundant life that comes through living for Him, through infilling through the Holy Spirit. He came to free us all, and He did through His death on the cross. The constitution of this land was built upon the model of governance taught throughout God's Word. The founders of this great country came in a quest that each person have the freedom to worship as they see fit. At their time in Europe, the monarchs decided how people were to worship. The king or the queen would de declare what religion they had to follow. And it, would, it could be topsy-turvy. One year you could have somebody, a king that would follow the Catholic faith, and he would decree that everybody had to worship as the Catholics taught. But then the next king would come in who was a Protestant, who wanted to live according to that, and he would decree that everybody now had to be a Protestant, and to do differently could mean death or imprisonment. So they came to America to find a place they could be free to worship as they felt within their own conscience. They came to establish freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. The first articles of the Bill of Rights go through some business. They establish how Congress is to be chosen, what they're to do. But then in Article 3, the very first article that applies to us begins, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That is why they came, the pilgrims, the people wanting to worship, wanting freedom of conscience. 
And so they came and they established laws that did put constraints on Congress so that Congress could not, or the president, could not decree how people were going to worship or, honestly, whether they worship at all. We have that freedom here in the United States to choose how we're going to worship, who we're going to worship, and how we're going to exercise that, or to not worship anybody at all. It's, it, it causes a mess sometimes, but we relish that freedom that each one can live within their conscience. And we hope that as Christians that we live in such a way that it would indicate to others that we have a living God who cares for them, who nourishes them, who died for them, and that they would want to follow our way, but we cannot force that upon them. So that is what the Article 3 of the Bill of Rights taught. And it is wisely stated that we do practice freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. The prepositions are very important there. Freedom of religion is that idea where each person is equal and has the right to choose how to express their faith. Our Constitution and our country, however, are under attack of those who want to use the government to make us free from religion. That is, they want no expression of faith at all. In the analysis of that freedom of religion is the core of the principles that our men and women fought and fight to protect. They stand as those witnesses that the fight to protect our liberty is valid and worthwhile. Their witness is a testimony to us and an encouragement to us to continue that fight to protect those same principles. In the analysis of their fight, they have not only been successful in keeping this country free, from occupation, but they have also freed many other nations around the world. It is right for people of faith to take time to honor our veterans in this fight. Their fight is fueled by our faith. We must hold on to the past, but we must not let the past hold on to us. We hold on to the past to remember those who fought to preserve the values they and we hold dear. But we must realize that they were looking forward and they fought to preserve a future for each one of us. A future that progresses in experimentation, innovation, and betterment of life. However, when the past holds on to us, we become stagnant and ineffective. When the past holds on to us, it restricts forward movement. It stifles innovation. The resistance to change is to hamper the betterment of life for all. The attempt to force an outdated culture on future generations results in a complete abandonment of our cultures. And we're seeing that so much today. Therefore, we must practice wisdom to retain the values and truth of the past while not hindering their acceptance in new and different ways. Only when we employ this wisdom will our faith, our culture, be efficacious for generations to come. So finally today, we collectively say 
thank you to our veterans. We wish God's blessings upon them. We strive to assure them that their sacrifice was not in vain and that we who remain will continue that fight for liberty and justice for all.